Welcome to the men's global live stream. If you have a Bible right now, I want you to hold a couple spots. One in Psalm 27, but our main passage, and we're gonna be camping there, is in Luke 24. So make sure you get a spot there. We are finishing a series called Roadman, and our theme has been very simple. And that is that every man is on the road of life. Every man, whether he knows it or not, is on the road to God. And if you recognize those two, those two things, the goal should simply be to travel the road of life well and arrive at our destination in God with as little regret in the journey as possible, right? That was part one. Part two, we talked about how on the road of life, there's choices that we need to make. There, there's the narrow road and the broad road. Jesus said the narrow road is him and that road leads to life. He also said that the broad road is the world or culture and that road leads to death. So on the road of life, we're gonna have to choose culture or Christ, right? And on many days, most every day, most every week, in most every situation, we can do it Christ's way or we can do it culture's way. And then in part three, we learned that sometimes God takes us off-road by design to test us, to see what's in our hearts, to prepare us for the space of blessing uh, that is next in our journey in this life. And we talked about how God took his people out of Egypt, wonderful, glorious deliverance, and he could have taken them through a shortcut to the space of blessing that he had promised in Canaan, but instead he intentionally took them off-road, and the scripture says he did it because he wanted to test them, he wanted to humble them, he wanted to see what was in their hearts to see if they would be the same people in the wilderness that they would be in the space of blessing, right? So that was very encouraging for all of us because we're gonna be taken off-road by God. Things aren't gonna go uh, as we expected, which is the shortest route, A to B. Then in part four, we talked about encountering others on the road of life, that when, when you're on the road of life and you're on the road to God, God intentionally brings people into the same spaces and places where you live, where you work, where you pray, where you play. He brings people into your lives and his intention is that you influence them that or that they influence you. But there is a divine, sovereign purpose for meaningful interactions that you find yourself in on a day-to-day -day and on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. And we're to live with that awareness on the road of life and on the road of God. Now, in our final session, we're going to explore one of the coolest and most adventurous roads in scripture. It's called the road to Emmaus. Now, that may sound familiar to some of you, not sound familiar, to others of you, and we're gonna unpack that, but just to get us thinking in the right direction, let me ask you a question. And it relates to this road to Emmaus experience of God's men, right? Wouldn't you agree that one moment you can have and feel confident in the best laid plans in one moment, and then in the next moment, in a flash, those fan, those those plans can be bowling balled, right, and go away. Anybody ever have that experience, right? You think like, okay, this is the plan. I'm totally confident in it. We're going forward. I'm I'm now have expectations based on my best laid plans, and then in a flash, 
the plan changes through an unplanned, unwelcomed interruption or something just totally wipes the board of your plan. Clean, right? You see, I share that because all of us, at least in our personal journeys with our personal dreams and our personal goals and our personal expectations, we would love for life to be linear, right? Just, just one unbroken chain, smooth path up. But if you've lived life at all, you know that life doesn't go like that. Life sort of goes like this. Then you get back up and then you keep going forward and then it goes down. And in these points right here where there's sort of a dip, a bump in the road before you, you move forward and upward, that's when the spiritual battle happens. And um, we like it when things go according to our timelines and our expectations and our hopes. But Jesus is very honest that the exact opposite will happen. Ooh, whoop, woo. <laughs> That's what Jesus said is going to happen. And when that happens, you're going to need in the downturns, you're going to need some assurance, right? You're going to need some hope. You're gonna need some promises, you're gonna need power, you're gonna need perspective, right? And for the disciples, for all followers of Jesus when he was on earth, probably the most massive bump in the road that broke the axle of their hope was when what they expected Jesus to do collided with the crucifixion and death of Jesus, right? But into that downward despair, that loop of, oh, despair, came some hope at just the right time, and were they ever surprised? And so whether we like to admit it or not, all of us, every guy listening to the sound of my voice right now, we need to see tangible hope at times, don't we? Right? Versus faith hope or a promised hope. We need God to show up, right, in real time in order to keep our hope alive. And the key word there is alive. Uh, just remember that. So here's our roadmap for today. We're just going to talk generally about this theme of needing hope on the road of life and the road to God. And then we're going to see a situation with God's men where their hope was taken as they then travel after their hope was taken down the road to Emmaus, right? So let's start with our first passage of scripture. If you have the downloaded notes, and let me encourage you to download them, A, so you can learn better, and B, so you can teach it somewhere to your men's group or at your church. But let's go to the top of the notes, Psalm 27, verses 11 through 14. Ready? Point me down your highway, God. Direct me along a well-lighted street. Show my enemies whose side you're on. Don't throw me to the dogs, those liars who are out to get me, filling the air with their threats. I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. So here's the psalmist. He's on the road of life. He's on the road to God. And this is a prayer and we can see four simple themes, four simple needs. And the first one is this, 
on the road to God, I need clear direction at times. Boy, what a truth of life. The picture is of checking in and, with God and then God illuminating, right? Uh, a particular direction. Notice the language where he says, point me, okay? Poke me, prod me, point me, right? Down your highway, right? Your road, your path. And then the psalmist says, direct me along a well-lighted street. So sometimes you just need clear direction and that involves God just kind of like, well, poking us, kind of like being the guardrails, right? Poking us that way, poking us this way. How do you know it's a God poke? Right? How do you know it's God turning on the light? Well, if it's a direction that shows love for him, shows love for people, or requires faith, weight it heavily, uh, heavily, but that's God giving you a clear direction. Secondly, what we see on the road to God is we see, um, I need crucial support at times. You know, this, this guy is, is under pressure, right? He, he, he paints this picture like he's surrounded by you know, a pack of wolves or a pack of uh, wild dogs, right? And uh, in his mind, they're out to get him. And he's like, God, I, I'm under this pressure. These guys are attacking me. And I want you to show my enemies, right? It's kind of like, you know, I need you to be the cavalry, Lord. I need you to show up in my behalf. Your success, your reputation's on the line as well as mine. So at times on the road to God, not only do we need clear direction, but we need crucial support, right? Third, we need tangible hope, right, at times. Look at what he says there. He says, I'm sure now I'll see, right? And, and that's where he's praying, he's connecting to God, um, he's saying, give me clear direction, show up, and his faith is rising. You can feel it coming up, and he's like, okay, now um, I have a vision of God. I'm talking to God. I'm, I'm, I'm in his presence. We're having a conversation, and as I look at him and see him, my, my hope for direction and support and something happening, okay, something tangible happening starts to rise, and then lastly, on the road to God, I need timely encouragement, right? Uh, clearly, uh, the context here is, hey, I know I'm not alone in all this, and this is my prayer, and as I'm praying and I'm connecting with God, my confidence is getting higher, so I'm gonna now project that out to you, hey, Man of God, stay with God, take heart, don't quit. I'll say it again, stay with God. It's kind of cool. And it, it points to the fact that on the road of life and the road to God, as we're talking to God, we kind of re-up, refuel, right, with perspective and power and confidence that then gets projected uh, upon other believers. And um, trust me, there's some other guys around you that are relying on you and your conversation with God because you know, they need a little injection of encouragement too. And that's why I love reading the Bible. It's like this, the psalmist is totally encouraging me. It's like he's speaking through eternity right to me, right? And that's why God's word is living and active. This is encouraging me and I hope it's encouraging you. Stay with God, take heart, don't quit, right? I was uh, walking my dog. I, I live next to Cleveland National Forest and there's a gate 
into where I walk my dog in, in um, amongst the pine trees and stuff. And there's always this, this homeless dude. And, and I, I've had conversations with him. Uh, our, our group of guys uh, has helped him, but he always has a word. He's like, hey, you know, hey partner or something like that. And so I was walking out of the gate where he is after going on my walk and he comes out with this beauty. He's like, quitters never win and winners never quit. And I, I heard that, it went in my ear, went in my head, went right down here. And you know what I did with my body? I went like that. You know what he said? Quitters never win, winners never quit. Let's paint dry on that one, fellas. What's God saying, right? Stay with me, take heart, don't quit. I'll say it again, stay with me. There's a prophetic word for all of us, right? Just don't quit. The Bible, it's a theme in the Bible. What you have need of is perseverance, right? So run with endurance, right? It's always too easy to quit, right? And there's an example of this next on your notes from Psalm 40, where there's an active waiting on God and waiting for him to move. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. I waited and waited and waited for God. At last, he looked. Finally, he listened. He lifted me out of the ditch, pulled me from deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. So what you have is you have a picture of a person who is, listen to me, actively waiting on God, talking to God. While they're waiting for his answer, they don't stop being obedient, they don't stop praying, they don't stop fellowshipping, right? That's, that's actively waiting on God, trusting God, continuing to love him, love people, keep his commands. While you're waiting on your answer, right? And you're gonna get your answer, and then all of a sudden, boom, what happens? He lifts him out of the ditch, pulls him from the deep mud. There are some of you that needed to hear that right now. You are in deep linguini, all right? Or as the psalmist says, deep mud, right? You're up to here, right? And you're like, okay, I'm in the quicksand. I won't be able to breathe here pretty quick. Don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop connecting with God's word. Don't stop speaking his promises into your life. He is going to lift you out and then set you on a rock and give you traction. He won't let you slip. So keep believing. And that's that's the stuff of faith, right? Doesn't matter if what you feel, what you see, God's God, his word is true. He's always faithful, right? And so I love that passage. So there's just kind of a foundation for where we're heading, right? We all need clear direction, clear support. We all need tangible hope and timely encouragement. And this is what was the situation uh, post-crucifixion with Jesus and his followers. Their hope died when he died. And we're gonna pick up the story in Luke 24, and I wanna set it up by reading verses five through 11, and then we'll get into the road to Emmaus. So let's set the context in Luke 24, verses five through 11. It says this, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered 
into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James. Also, the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. So the context is the torture of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ. Crucifixion always ends in a death. Christ died. They, they put him in the tomb. It is Monday morning, Friday, torture and crucifixion, put him in the tomb, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, it's Monday morning. And Joanna and Mary Magdalene and Mary go to the tomb. They're kind of like going to bring spices and they're gonna do some post-crucifixion duties and, and traditions right? And they're met by an angel that says, hey, wh what are you doing looking, you know, for the dead among the living, right? And so then they come back and they're all jacked up, but these followers of Jesus, they're not buying it. And, and that's where we go to his men and where they go from here, at least a couple of them, and as they travel down, they're leaving Jerusalem now, and they're traveling down the road to Emmaus, right? Chapter one, right? Write this down. Hope crushed. Fill this in. Hope crushed, right? The Bible says in Luke 24, 13 and 14, and behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus. So they're on the road to Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. I mean, can't you picture, you know, these two guys whose hopes were sky high. This is the Davidic Messiah, the military Messiah. They were fixated on that because then he would, you know, kick out the Romans, take the land back, right? That Messiah is coming, but the lamb had to come first before the lion comes. That's what scriptures teaches, but they, they kind of got pulled in that direction because that's what they really wanted in the moment. You ever feel like that? So now they're like, ugh, and they're, they're walking on this road for seven miles, talking, processing, and they're like, man, we thought, but I guess not. You ever been like that? We're just like, man, things are really moving in the right direction. And then all of a sudden, whoop, boom, right? The meat cleaver of life comes up and cuts it off. And there's no way to kind of fix it. There's no way to fix their expectations at this point, right? But they, they kind of heard these, these ladies talking about a, a supernatural encounter. It's in there but they're not buying it, all right? Now, let's turn the page, go to chapter two, all right? Write this down. After hope crushed, hope disguised. This is really cool. Verses 15 to 20. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling 
with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of these things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? <laughs> this is hilarious. And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word and in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him, right? So in their crushed hope, now their hope is disguised. It's the undercover Messiah. He is right there and he's kind of keeping a veil and he is setting them up. I mean, this is great. This is great. This, this, our savior is so cool. Like he will do stuff like this to, as a means to a really, really good end. But there he is, he's with them. He's asking them questions. And they literally are like, they stop, they stand still. They're like, bro, where have you been? <laughs> are you the only person who doesn't know? And he is just, He's just feeding them line, right? It is so classic. So that's chapter two, right? Hope's crushed. They're talking, they're processing. Then Jesus starts walking on the road to Emmaus with them. It's the undercover Messiah, right? Now, all I wanna say is that Jesus was always with them. Jesus, while their hope was crushed, he was alive. He, he, he's in full power, resurrected body, available. But they're walking, Jesus is alive, they don't know he's alive. So they're just walking along as if he's still dead. They've been told he's alive. But they're like, eh, we wanna be stuck in our sadness. You know what, there's a word there, I think for all of us. And it's this, your feelings aren't the facts. Your circumstances aren't the facts. The facts are what God says is true. And what God says is true is that he's alive. So you can, you can wallow in your feelings and you can wallow in your circumstances and you can let those take control of your life. Or you can let the reality of the living Christ come alongside you on the road to Emmaus. All right, so let's get to chapter three, all right? So hope crushed, hope disguised. Chapter three, hope explained, all right? We're just rolling the conversation here. Verses 21 to 24. So they go on, they're like, hey, they killed him, they crucified him. But we were hoping, they said, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also, some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were, who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But him, they did not see. So they're explaining their hope. They're like, hey, we were hoping that Jesus would do this. He didn't do that. He didn't redeem Israel politically and militarily and physically. And it's been a while, all right? So our hope was that, but 
here's this, you know, there's our hope, that's gone. But there's this little flicker, right? There's this ember of hope. And they're saying it to Jesus. <laughs> you got to remember that. <laughs> they're, they're telling him things he already knows. He lived it. <laughs> he is it. He is the story, but it's hope disguised. Remember, so they're explaining and pouring out to Jesus what their hope was and just a little flicker of hope that they still have, right? It's a long shot. You know, they're, they're like, well, these women, you know, we kind of thought they were crazy at first, but then some other people went by and we couldn't find him. All right. So that's, that's chapter three, right? Um, hope crushed, hope disguised, hope explained. Now let's go to chapter four in the, this, this great situation that Jesus has intentionally created, right? And chapter four is hope reset. All right. Verse 25 of chapter 24 of Luke. And he said to them, oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Wow. Isn't it ironic and such a common thing in our road of life and our road to God that we could get focused, just like these guys, on their plan? And that plan ran counter to Scripture's plan and God's plan, right? And he levels, Jesus levels uh, three criticisms on the road to Emmaus that you could go, oh, that hurt. But if you reframe it, it also turns into three opportunities for us. Look at what he says. He says, oh, foolish men, all right? Um, versus what? Wise, right? He says, slow, slow, slow of heart to believe. Versus what? Quick to believe, right? And then he starts saying, was it not necessary? You, the, the prophets... You know, you have the word of God, the prophets have spoken, and you're not familiar with that. So instead of being wise, they're foolish. Instead of being quick to believe, they're, they're, they're slow to believe. Why? Because they're not deep uh, in the word and in the, the prophetic uh, power that was available to them. And he's kind of reminding them right? And so what does he do? He takes them to the word. Listen, you want to experience the living Christ? You don't want him to be in disguise, right? You want him to be present. You want to know it's him, right? Be wise and quick. Be wise in the word. Be quick to believe because you're deep in the word. That's why here on the Men's Global Livestream, this Bible's always here. We're always opening up scripture. We're always unpacking scripture. Scripture is what makes the living Christ come alive. Why? Because we're in his living word, right? We're doing what he's saying they weren't doing because we want to experience our living hope, right? So our hopes can be crushed, right? Our plans might not go as expected, and then Jesus, he can be in disguise or he can be real. We can be with him or we can just, you know, not see him. Um, and then 
we are telling him stuff and we're complaining and but you know what's great about Jesus is that he sees the ember of their faith, this, this little sliver of like, you know what? They're gonna be okay, they're gonna get this. And so he takes time to explain to them. He resets their hope, right? So that's chapter four. Let's now, let's see where this is all going, right? Remember where we started? Nonsense, right? Crushed, right? Hope disguised. Hope explained, hope reset. Let's go to chapter five, which is hope revealed, all right? So they keep walking along. This is so funny. On the road to a man, and the Bible says this, and they approached a village where they were going and he acted as though he were gonna go further. You see the setup again? Jesus, what a sense of humor, right? What what what, what happened in Jerusalem? What, what's, what, what's going on? Why, what are you guys talking about? You know, and then he, they still don't know. They still don't know. And then just as an unknown Jew, he goes to their scriptures and he sits down with them and he talks with them and he explains to them, right? Moses, the prophets, it all told us about what was gonna happen, right? And, um, and then he goes on and it says, and as they approached the village where they were going, he acted as though he were going further, okay? But they urged him saying, stay with us for it is getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures. How cool is this? I find it so fascinating and relatable that as he's breaking bread, he just broke his body, as he's, as he's giving bread, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God that it was that moment when through the Holy Spirit, their eyes were open. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, that was Jesus. And then he's gone, he's, he has a resurrected body. He can, he can just, he's seamless. He can go in and out, he has no time space barriers. He's in a glorified, resurrected body. Think about that. He can just exit stage right and as the scripture says, he can just vanish and get into another space, right? And I love how um, they express their experience with the living Christ. They were experiencing the living Christ, even though he was disguised, but inside their hearts were burning. Why? Because they were experiencing his living word. Guys, that's why we're here. That's why this community exists, all, all 13, 14,000 of you. And then the hundreds of thousands that listen to archived podcasts, all right? We're here because we want to experience the living Christ. We do that by experiencing his living word. And when we experience the living Christ through his living word, like these guys on the road to Emmaus, we, our hearts start to burn. We, we know who we are, and when we know who we are, we know what to do, and our hope rises, and we experience our living hope. Fellas, 
That is the journey. And some of you right now, you need this. You need this just like those guys need it. Your hope has been crushed. Relentless issues, problems, trials, tribulations, temptations, right? And I just want to speak to you just, just for a second. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. You can experience a living Christ right now, right? The living word is here. It's on the page. It's with you. And uh, God wants to meet you, and some of your hearts are burning right now. You're like, oh my gosh, God is with me. God is in this. Crucifixion is not the end of the story, right? Because there's resurrection, you know? He died for sin. We died to sin. Jesus is alive. We're alive to God right now. He's with us. So let's turn the page. Let's get to chapter 6, right? Which is hope related to others. What's next in this story about the guys on the road to Emmaus with the undercover Messiah? It says this in verse 33. And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, quote, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. It's so awesome that once they experienced the living Christ, experienced the living word, and experienced their living hope, what happened? They couldn't hold it in. They had to relay their hope to others. And so the others were in the same place. They're relaying their hope. They're like, yeah, he appeared to Simon. Right? And they're like, he appeared to us too. Has he appeared to you? Because he's alive. And he wants to appear in the spirit to you. He might appear physically. I don't know. But Jesus Christ, your living hope, he's alive. And we need to really remind ourselves how today all of us can experience our living hope that we need. So let's talk about the things that we have discussed today. To experience our living hope, we need, number one, personal moments with the living Christ. Are you setting aside intentional time, like you would with anybody, to meet with someone, listen to someone, talk back with someone, learn from someone? Are you setting aside intentional time and having a personal moment with the living Christ. That road to Emmaus is personal, right? And Jesus initiated, right? Because they needed him to. But guess what? It goes both ways. We can initiate and have moments with the living Christ if we're seeking and if we're available. Number two, to experience our living hope, we need personal discovery of the living word. The Bible says in Psalm 119, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Do you see that? The identity is your servant, right? We're all followers. Will meditate on your decrees. There's our identity. We're a servant of the Lord. What's the activity of the servant of the Lord? The servant of the Lord is meditating on his decrees, his word, identity and activity. Man of God, you love the Word of God. Man of God, spend time in the Word of God. Man of God, follow, seek, obey 
the word of God, which is living, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12. It's living, it's active. It gets to the heart of the issues. It cuts through all the cultural stuff and gets to the truth and to the truest things about you and about life, right? So we need personal moments with the living Christ. We need personal discovery of the living word. Third, we need a personal expression of our living hope, right? You see these guys, when they experience the hope of the living Christ through a personal encounter and the word of God, what happens, right? They express their hope. Make sure that you're connecting those two things. Personal encounter, personal exposure to the word of God, personal expression of their living hope. Why? Because they want to, guys, guys talk about what they're excited about. And we're excited about what we experience, fellas. And, and Jesus is telling us on the road of life and the road to God, you can get on this road to Emmaus and receive tangible and timely and crucial support and experience through the living God. Wow. Wow. If you choose, right? And so make sure that you're making time for him personally. You're seeking him. You're available. Make sure you are in his living word, letting it speak. Humble yourself. Say with the psalmist, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. And let Jesus speak to you through his word. And when you encounter him, express, right, your living hope in others' lives. Let's wrap it up. I'm going to wrap up this series with 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It's right there on your notes. Uh, follow along with me. Speak it out loud. Ready? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I bless you with that. Every person listening to my voice, I bless you with that. I bless you right now as you bless God. Bless his name right where you are. Bless God. Bless the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless the vine as the branch. Bless the potter as the clay. Bless the shepherd as a sheep. Bless the Redeemer as the redeemed. Bless the creator as the created. Bless the master, right, as the servant. Bless your teacher today as his student. Jesus, we bless you. We thank you that we are born again from the inside out into a living hope. Thank you that you're alive. Thank you for the road to Emmaus. Lord, and I call down a road to Emmaus experience, Lord, that you would lift the veil from our eyes, that our hearts would burn, Lord, with your presence right now as the scriptures are opened, oh God, and that we would repent, God, of, of putting other things ahead of you, Lord, that we would spend time with you as a real person, be intentional about it, God. I just call down powerful times with God among your men right now that are transforming. I call down, Lord, your living word, uh, penetrating heart and soul and joint and marrow and, and rendering verdicts leading to repentance and life, God. And I call down, Lord, out of that experience, an expression, an explosion, an eruption of living hope inside of us, flowing outside of us to people. Thank you, God, for our road of life. Thank you, God, for our road to you 
And God, I pray personal roads to Emmaus all over the world for the 700 million men who call upon your name, God. As brothers, we unite and ask you to meet us right where we are. And like these disciples, Lord, that you would just reveal yourself, reveal your word, and that we would erupt by expressing our living hope in you with others. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's men said, amen. We'll see you next time.